American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello, and welcome to American Catholic History. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate us and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today we're doing something we haven't done before on this podcast. We're doing a second consecutive episode on the same person. But that's how remarkable Sister Blandina Segale's life was. Yes, indeed. Sister Blandina Segale really had two stories to tell. For more than two decades, 1872 to 1893, she was out in the Wild West, staring down lynch mobs, converting outlaws on their deathbeds, advocating for and teaching Native Americans and Mexicans, tearing down and rebuilding buildings and institutions, and generally bringing the justice, mercy, and love of Christ to a place where kill or be killed was the law of the land. Right. Her law was love that God may be loved. And you can hear all about that part of her story in episode 57. This week, we're talking about the nearly five decades she spent in Cincinnati after she was called back from the Wild West and the amazing things she did there. Right. And another point to recall and build on from last week's episode was the role her sister played. Yeah, Sister Blandina's older sister had joined her in religious life and was given the name Justina. One thing we didn't mention in episode 57 was that Justina had also been sent to teach in the Wild West, but she was only out there for 12 years before being brought back east. She taught in Michigan, where she advocated for including books with Braille for the blind students in the school library, and then she returned to Cincinnati about the same time that Sister Blandino was brought back in 1893. And Cincinnati had no idea what was about to hit it. <laughs> Seriously. So Blandina and Justina chilled for about four years at the Sisters of Charity Motherhouse and taught at schools the sisters ran until a surge of immigration from Italy changed everything for them. Right. They both were born in northern Italy near Genoa, They'd come to Cincinnati when Blandino was four back in 1854. So when the Italian population started to swell, these two Italian-born Sisters of Charity were tapped by the Archbishop of Cincinnati, Henry Elder, to see if they could do anything for the poor Italian immigrants. He also gave them some money to get started. Right, he gave them the huge sum of $5. Now, to be fair, with inflation, that works out to about $155 today. So, yeah, it wasn't much at all. Okay. But that didn't deter them. In fact, it could be said that Blandina found comfort in having so little to start with. Sister Blandina wrote, We begin to realize that no good work can succeed without its cross, for that is the seal of him who died on the cross. If it is his work, it will succeed despite all opposition. If it is not his work, we do not want it to succeed. But it is manifestly his work, so we do not fear though we have nothing to begin with. We picked up a penny on the street. It shall be the nucleus of the fund for the purchase of a house. St. Teresa, when undertaking a certain foundation without means, said something to this effect. A few pennies and Teresa are nothing. A few pennies, Teresa, and God are omnipotent. This has been our inspiration, and so I have written as our motto, A penny and two sisters are nothing. A penny, two sisters, and God are omnipotent. 
So with this approach and their scant cash on hand, they set off for where the Italian immigrants were. But even though sisters Blandina and Justina were Italian, it wasn't always easy for them to gain the trust of their fellow Italian immigrants. Right. The sisters were from the region around Genoa, which is in the northern part of Italy. Most of the new immigrants were from southern Italy and Sicily. So in order to prove that they were trustworthy and virtuous, sisters Blandina and Justina would often take other women or young girls along with them, girls who were already known in the community, while they met with and helped the new immigrants. Then, once trust was gained, the immigrants would bring all their problems to the sisters. One concern Archbishop Elder had was that many of the Italians, who of course were historically Catholic, were becoming Protestant of various stripes, mostly Episcopalian and Methodist. So the sisters went to find out why. What they found was twofold. One, the Episcopalian and Methodist churches were, at that time, offering more social services than the Catholic parishes. So the Italians would accept the assistance from these Protestant churches and then start going to their religious services. Right. The Italians were largely in poverty and lacked the skills necessary to get a good job, or they didn't know English. And second, the Italians, though baptized and nominally Catholic, were so poorly catechized that they really had no knowledge of why they should remain Catholic when the Protestants started proselytizing them and inviting them to come to their church. And that, of course, did not sit well with sisters Blandina and Justina at all. No. So they poured themselves into keeping their fellow Italians Catholic and resting lost souls back to the true church. They started teaching catechism to as many confirmation-aged children as they could and encouraging their parents to become better catechized as well. But of course, since the reasons so many were being lost to Protestants weren't just due to poor understanding of the faith, the sisters knew that they had to do something to meet the other needs. This actually harkens back to one of the stories from our previous episode. Sister Blandina nursed a wounded outlaw back to health after all the regular doctors had refused to care for him. Yes, eventually he started asking about her faith, and she gladly answered questions and taught him prayers. Before he died, he made an act of contrition, and he died saying the prayers Sister Blandina had taught to him. But long before he died, he told her that he started asking about her faith because he noticed how much she cared for him without preaching. He said if she'd just preached, he would have sent her away. But since she showed him that she cared for him so long, regardless of whether or not he was Catholic, he felt compelled to ask her about her faith. Yeah, the sisters took a similar approach here. Do the thing that is needed. Let God convert the heart. What was needed was making it possible for the Italians to improve their position. And for that, they needed to be able to get jobs. If it was all done in the name of the love of Christ coming through his church, the faith would be saved in the person. So in 1897, with nothing more than that $5 given to them by Archbishop Elder... And the penny they found on the sidewalk. Of course. The sisters established the Santa Maria Institute and its Italian educational and industrial home. It was a place where Italian immigrants could learn English get help finding housing and jobs, and a lot more. Eventually, they had a home where mothers and children in crisis situations could find the support they needed and offered so many other services, both secular and sacred. The work was a constant struggle, but a joyful one. They were constantly looking for rooms to hold classes, bringing volunteers into their work, cajoling priests and laity for donations, and, of course, working directly with those who needed the help. Sister Blandina didn't limit herself to the Italian immigrants who were in trouble in the city, however. 
There were brothels in the city, and she stood up against them as well. It is said that young women would be enticed from the farms out in the countryside to come to the city with promises of good-paying jobs and housing, enabling them to live well and send money back home. So many of them didn't realize until it was too late that this meant working in a brothel. Sister Blandina found out about one such girl, and at first she confronted the madam who controlled the girl, threatening to have the girl testify in court. But the madam fed a story to the news about a religious sister coming to extort money, and Blandina's superiors, not wanting to endure negative publicity, ordered her to stand down. She obeyed, but she made it part of her mission to aid and rescue women who managed to escape from the clutches of that evil industry. And that included visiting the ward of the hospital, where women who were infected with the sorts of diseases one acquires in such work were treated, and hopefully eventually released. Sister Blandina went there as an angel of mercy to bring the hope of Christ for a better future. The sisters also worked with the courts and the juvenile justice system to directly help youths who got into criminal mischief. Sister Blandina went so far as to become a juvenile probation officer so youth could be released directly into her care rather than being sent into the juvenile justice system. That really reminds me of some of the stuff that she did out in the Wild West with some of the stories I read about how she dealt with some of the unruly kids in her classroom. There was one who didn't know that she understood as much Spanish as she did, and he instructed his fellow classmates to sort of have a mutiny at recess, but she understood what he said, even though he was speaking in Spanish. And she actually, just before recess, asked him in English to stay in the classroom so that when all the kids went out and she had him just do some menial tasks around the room, when the bell rang to come back in, all the kids, without their leader, did come back in. And afterward, that student asked her, do you understand Spanish? And he asked her in English, and she said, well, you'll have to find out, and she wouldn't answer. So she, you know, that's just one example, but there were others from back then and staring down the lynch mob, etc. She understood how to deal with difficult children in difficult situations. For sure, yeah. yeah. She was just amazing. She really was. Okay, so the Santa Maria Institute also offered clubs for boys and girls like the Boy Scouts. These clubs served a dual purpose, one to keep boys off the streets and out of gangs, and also to offer Catholic entertainment for children. This, again, was something that the Protestant churches were doing and were gaining converts through them, so the sisters did it too. After World War I, the sisters saw another affront to the Catholic faith of the people they worked with in the form of Americanization classes. Americanization classes were an effort happening all across the country to get immigrants to act and think more as Americans than as residents or citizens or subjects of their home country. Americanization classes were generally not held at Catholic institutions, and they generally included classes on how to be a good Protestant. Once again, the sisters were having none of that. So they took the parts of the Americanization classes that did not offend the faith and began teaching those through the Santa Maria Institute as well. And the sisters would continue their absolutely tireless work for decades. In the 1920s, the Santa Maria Institute purchased a Model T Ford to assist with their work, and Sister Blandina learned how to drive. She was in her 70s at this point. Still going where she was sent and doing what was needed to be done. Mm -hmm. In 1931, Sister Blandina traveled to Rome to advocate for the canonization of the foundress of the Sisters of Charity, Mother Elizabeth Ann Seton. And she was clearly effective because Mother Seton was canonized in 1975, making her the first American-born saint. We will definitely tell Mother Seton's story at another time. Of course. 
So Sister Justina served as the official historian of Santa Maria, and while she wasn't the storyteller that her younger sister was, she kept journals about the goings-on of the Santa Maria Institute until her death in 1929. Sister Blandina would retire from the grueling daily schedule of the Santa Maria Institute in 1933 and live for another eight years at the Mother House, dying in 1941 at a feisty 91 years old. But the work of the Santa Maria Institute has carried on, becoming one of the largest and most successful social service organizations, certainly in the state of Ohio. Its work has expanded well past the Italian community, embracing those flocking to Cincinnati from Kentucky and other parts of Appalachia to work in the factories during World War II, and as time has marched on to other immigrant and disadvantaged communities. The same principles hold true. Find people where they are and do what is needed to help them improve their lot. Let the love of Christ inform and compel the work, and let God work on hearts. Today, Santa Maria Community Services continues to serve the greater Cincinnati area, helping more than 3,000 people annually. In 2014, Sister Blandina's cause for canonization was opened by the Archdiocese of Santa Fe. So Sister Blandina, already known as the fastest nun in the West, can also be called Servant of God. You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please help us out by giving us a five-star rating and a good review. And support the work of SQPN. Your support at sqpn.com give helps make sure American Catholic History and all the StarQuest podcasts remain available. To learn more about Sisters Blandina and Justina Sagale, to find previous episodes, and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com history. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or find us on social media at facebook.com slash American Catholic History or follow StarQuest on Twitter at sqpn. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History on StarQuest. Quest.